0: My name is Christine Deason and I'm the CEO and founder of the Modern Artist Project. Today I'm with Dr. Julia Lougheed newly appointed executive director of the New Works Project, a nonprofit organization dedicated to making new music more accessible to wider audiences. She also serves as adjunct professor of clarinet at Scottsdale Community College and Paradise Valley Community College. She also is the event coordinator for the fine and performing arts department at Phoenix College and production manager for Oh My Ears New Music Festival. Thank you, Julia, for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Christine. I'm excited to be here.
0: So I know I've already talked about your jobs, which is great, but I'd like to hear more about your background and what inspired you to pursue a career in the arts. Sure.
1: So as you can see from the lengthy list of job titles in my bio, I do a lot of different things. I like to think about it in my brain as kind of a three-tier their three-facet career. Um, I'm a performer, I'm a clarinetist, and I get a lot of work, especially playing music by living composers around. And uh, I'm an educator, so I teach I teach college students at PVCC and SCC, Paradise Valley Community College, and Scottsdale Community College. I also have a small private studio of students who come to my apartment, and I teach clarinet at Rosie's House, a nonprofit music academy for children. Um, we're kind of a community center that provides music classes. It's a really beautiful organization. And then as an, and then I'm also an administrator. So I run All My Ears. I'm executive director for New Works Project. I'm the event coordinator for the Fine and Performing Arts Department at Phoenix College, which means I house manage theater shows. I run concerts. I'm artist coordinator for events that happen in the gallery that we have on campus, the Eric Fischl Gallery. So I'm a performer, I'm an educator, and I'm an administrator. And I actually really love the variety in what I do. And that's been a big driving force for me to pursue a career in the arts. I remember being a teenager. I felt like I've always had a lot of feelings. Like, that's just kind of me. I'm definitely a capital F. When you you take the Myers-Briggs test and it's like thinking or feeling, my feelings rating is always off the charts. And I realized as an adolescent, I could communicate those feelings through music and people would get it more so than if I were to talk to them. And there's a power that comes with that. There's a certain feeling of power and value that comes from being on stage and being able to communicate feelings that you don't have words for and have people understand them. And that's a big deal, especially when you're know you 16 and 17 and you don't understand your feelings, but someone understands the music you're playing. That's really why I started to pursue the arts. Once I started really digging into my study of clarinet performance and pursuing a career as a clarinetist, I realized that I also have other skills for communicating that make me a great teacher. And I have skills of organization and problem solving that make me a really great administrator and can help make things happen. And I figured out it's almost just as rewarding for me to get on stage and play something and have people say that's amazing as it is for me to set up an event and let some and make it possible for someone else to do that same communication as a performer. Or it's just as rewarding to get one of my students to be able to communicate something through music that they couldn't do before studying with me. So I wear a lot of different hats, but I'm kind of fed by all of them. And I love artistic careers because we're all able to do that.
0: No, that's, that's really great. And it's really inspiring to hear how music allowed you to be able to have it be that medium of communication for you, especially during a time as, you know, as we're all growing up, we're all trying to decipher our emotions, but being able to have a way of expressing them through an instrument, I think really, really is great. And what's really interesting too, is the fact that you have so many different types, you know, Julia the administrator, Julia the admit the clarinet teacher, Julia, you know, this. How do you balance it all? And what (laughs) journey that led you to to that?
1: Well, first I'm gonna say I don't think balance exists for type A people like myself. I think I don't even aim for balance anymore. What I aim for is when there is work to do, I get it done and I get the thing that needs to get done first first. And then I let everything else happen. And then when there is not work to do, I, I definitely have a work hard, play hard mentality about it. When there is not work to do, I will not be working. You, I take my free time very seriously. I'm very protective of it when it shows up. And that's how balance is working for me right now. It's not balanced. It's heavy work and then it's heavy life or it's heavy life and then it's heavy work. There's no like, oh, I definitely have a good work-life balance in my week. It's like, no, this week was really intense, but next week I'm not working that much. That's how I'm handling that. What led me to pursue so many different hats? I don't know that I have a great answer for that. I know that I love playing clarinet and being creative. And I know that I also love living in a comfortable apartment. And eating sushi and going out to hipster bars and having health insurance. And I know that I have skills as an educator and an administrator that can allow me to have a lifestyle that's comfortable for me and set me up to have more artistic freedom in my projects. Like once I started getting administrative work, income was a lot more, it was a lot easier to plan than when I was freelance teaching and being able to plan your income. So I'm finishing up an album right now. I'm in the editing stages of it. And I'm already able to think about my next album and what that's going to be because now my income is predictable and I can plan for the expenses involved with that. So that's been really great. I think I am a person who really needs novelty and variety. I I feel like for a lot of people hearing how much I do and how many different things, they're like, wow, I would be so burnt out if I was doing that. For me, because everything is different, it helps me to not get burnt out. When I get burnt out of practicing, it's like, okay, I'll go figure out things for my students. When I get burnt out of teaching, I can sit down and make a spreadsheet for the next thing I have to do for my administrative roles. So I think it's like all the different kinds of energy swirling around help me not get burnt out because I can shift my focus as I go instead of just staring straight at one thing. And that's been really great. That helps with the balance too. Again, though, I don't really think balance is real. Um, I I think it's different for everybody, but that's how I'm handling it right now.
0: No, I I think this is great because a lot of the time when we're, you know, for example, in conservatories or universities, you know, the focus is, okay, right, besides getting good grades and music theory music history you have also have to be really good at at your instrument but it seems that throughout your journey Julia that you were able to find things and actually make realizations about yourself of you know your background and things like that and being able to create a career that was meaningful for you so what types of advice would you give to our listeners in regards to being able to pursue uh, different careers in the arts
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think that's a thing we need to be giving more advice about. I feel like my mentors who I have nothing bad to say, I have wonderful mentors, I'm incredibly thankful for. But for them, I, I feel like the message was never overtly this, but it was always kind of stated like, okay, you're a clarinetist, you went to graduate school, you're going to teach, you're going to perform, it's going to be great. And I kind of started looking around and I was like, okay, but I have all these other skills of organization and event planning and communicating and Uh, speaking to people about things I care about a lot, which is something I do a lot for New Works Project. Um, We manage consortiums for underrepresented composers. It's one of my biggest passions in my career is getting music by underrepresented composers played more often. So speaking about that comes naturally to me. But I started looking around and going, I got all these other skills while I was getting really good as a clarinetist and teacher. I I could be using these other skills to do something that helps me put food on the table, plan artistic projects, and also just kind of flexes a brain muscle that, I mean, everyone who's close to me kind of jokes that I'm like a husky. If I don't have enough to do, I'll run around the house and eat the couch. Um, So I have that muscle that needs to be flexed of administration. So advice I have for someone who's going through a conservatory and is in it right now, look around and notice skills you've picked up from studying to be a performer or studying to be a teacher and look at ways you can use them to help your music community or help make music happen in another way. I mean, I got my start as an administrator because I like playing music by living composers, which meant that the first world premiere I ever did was a concert that I produced myself with help from the composer in Florida. So I got those skills of event production and planning and administration for that because I had to, because it was important for me to get the piece played. All of those skills I gained from that experience you have to find the words for them, but they go on your resume and they are valued by arts organizations because they're skills that not everybody has. And being able to come at administration from the perspective as as an artist, being able to speak artists is a skill that you can't put into words and you can't quantify, but it's so helpful. So with New Works Project, my role in New Works Project, I'm executive director. Essentially, I'm a facilitator for commissioning projects. I am also actively pursuing my own commissioning projects as a performer who knows composers. Because I know that side of it and what it's like to be the performer in that relationship, and because I've been talking to, hanging out with, and working with composers for a significant part of my adult life, I'm well poised in that role to be able to communicate with others about it. And I'm well poised in that role to know what needs to get done for help. And I I feel like both composers and performers trust me a little more. Because that's what, that's my background and that's what I bring to it. And likewise, my job at Phoenix College, event coordinator, I just got done house managing a show this weekend. We did a production of a doll's house part two. Now I'm not an actress and I've never been, but I am a performer and I'm someone that gets all the nerves and all the emotions and all the creative chaos that happens before someone goes on stage. So while I'm house managing and putting out fires involved with opening a show, I'm also someone that the actors and the artistic team can talk to. And if people like you, it's easier for you to work with them. If people feel understood by you, it's easier for them to like you. So Advice, look around at other skills you have. Remember that being able to speak artists, like speak that language and really understand what it's like to have that creative chaos going on is so, so important and so valuable by so many arts organizations outside of conservatories and inside of them, but outside of them as well. And I think that's one thing I just wish someone had said to me when I was younger, to kind of look up and out outside the conservatory and see areas I could apply these skills. Because once I started doing that, I really felt like my career started to take off.
0: No, this is. uh, I I think this is really excellent advice uh, in regards to being able to share. You know your own experiences because of the fact that you know a lot of the time, especially when early on in my training too, we're we're told, okay, you must be really great at your instrument. That is the you know that is your goal and things like that. And you can be an excellent musician, but also be you know well rounded and being able to still develop skills that would be useful in regards to being able to curate with what you've mentioned about your. You know, the thing is, in order to make art, we have to have money. And that's. (laughs) It's it's a drag,
1: but it's so true. We do. I mean, I think to be an artist, you need three resources: you need time, you need energy, and you need money. And no one wants to talk about that third one, but it's such a big factor.
0: Yeah, and it's a really big factor, especially you know when you're talking about commissioning works, trying to inspire growth with composers today. And I think that's something that's really important and uh, really valuable because a lot of time people feel like if I don't get that dream career, if I'm not, you know, touring around the world as a soloist or what have you, then they view that as failure. And that's sometimes a tough part with, you know, being an artist today. It's not so much about, okay, with what you've mentioned. It's also about being someone that you could work with.
1: Yeah. I tell my students all the time. Well, I tell them, you don't play well enough to be a jerk. And I also, and then I'll follow up with, I don't play well enough to be a jerk either. And the only person I can think of who, in my opinion, plays well enough to be a jerk is Joshua Bell, virtuosic violinist. And guess what? I met him. He's not a jerk. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's an underrated skill being nice. It's not even a skill. It's an underrated quality in people. Yeah.
0: No. So when, 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 I mean, it sounds like you, you know, not only have had those backgrounds, but also being able to, you know, develop the interpersonal skills, you know, when we talk about talking artists, right. So for our listeners, can you clarify what that means? And also too, how useful it was for you in regards to your own journey?
1: Sure. So when I say like, I speak artist or I talk artist or I understand artists, I I really think that artists of any sort, visual artists, actors, dancers, musicians, I really think filmmakers, I think we see the world differently. I know I have people close to me who are not artists and who are more, I mean, I have friends, when I was a sophomore in college, I lived with two engineering majors. Like I'm around people who are very much more science data driven and I'll go on a walk and I'll come back and I'll be like, oh, I saw flowers and I got inspired and I have to take down this voice memo right now because I got this idea for a piece and I know my friend would do a really good job with this collaboration and I have to write this down right now or I'm going to forget and people close to me who are not artists will go on a walk and enjoy the weather and come back and go on to their next activity. Like, I think artists, I'll say creative people in general, we just experience life a little bit differently in that way. And I know that having been in work and school environments surrounded by people who are not artists for some years of my life, it it feels like you're an outsider, When you're when you're seated at a table where no one else understands what it's like to go on a walk and see a pretty flower and think of a piece that reminds you of your friend, like there's people that don't understand that. So it's this speaking artist is this like it's a really it's like not a really tangible quality, but it's this ability to like understand that someone takes inspiration from the rest of their life. It's this ability to understand. That when my boss in the theater department screams my name down the hallway during tech week, she's not mad at me. She's just stressed because she's the director of a show that opens on Thursday. It's the ability to understand that when a composer collaborating with me sends a draft late, but it's also two pages longer than it needs to be and asks me for a recording the next day, he just got ideas a little bit later it's understanding that timelines shift because people's lives are involved with them and it's it's understanding that I think I think a lot of artists are inherently disorganized but it's kind of an organized chaos right it's like I like I feel like most artists I work with are organized about their projects. And then the rest of the world or like living in the real world is like second to that if that's going on. So speaking artist is understanding that we have this divide here and knowing the right way to remind somebody that they have to live in the real world and also get their paperwork done in XYZ like needs to happen in order for this to happen. So that's what I mean by speaking artists. Um, My studio engineer, Clark Rigsby, actually studied composition. And it's a big reason I really like working with him. I don't understand anything about recording. I understand very little about music technology. I'm trying to learn. I really am. I would like to be able to work sound at shows I produce because it's getting harder and harder for me to find sound people. Um, But it's not my area of expertise at all. So I go into the studio with Clark and we'll be listening to something and I'll say, okay, can we make it boomier, but not bigger? And can it just cut a little bit more here? And he'll look at me and be like, yeah, yeah. And he'll adjust mic settings. And exactly what I asked for is what I'll hear. I didn't use words that make any sense. I'm well aware of that. But Clark has worked with enough classical musicians to, A, know we don't know how to use technical terms, and B, know that while it may sound like we don't necessarily know what we're talking about, we have a clear idea, and he can kind of decode and translate and understand that. That's speaking
0: artist. No, that's, no this is really great. Uh, just because of the fact that, you know, I, I hear you. You're, you're preaching to the choir, Julia. Uh, <laughs> I like, know, because you are also an artist who's very organized. So you... You understand? It's. I mean, it, it depends on you know your opinion of organized. But I, I, I try. But I, yes, I what what we say actually at TMAP that I'm a, I'm a work in progress. I, I we still have the email problem, but we're working past through it step by step, right? It's always a, it's always a process, right? Yeah. I love that. I'm, I might steal that. Yeah. <laughs> No, but no, this is really great. And, you know, the thing is, what's what I what I really love about, you know, the things that you're sharing with us right now is also being able to have that awareness of, you know, music technology, you know, the fact that, you know, we live in a digital age. I mean, things are so different now than they were 10 years ago. I don't know if you found that for your yourself, too.
1: Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, coming from conservatory programs in my schooling, I got really good At playing my scales, I got really good at performing solo pieces on stage and taking auditions. And that's great. And those skills are valuable. And I am not undervaluing any of those skills, any of my training or any of the time I've put into being able to do that. But it's also not the complete picture. Like just because you can play really well doesn't mean you can make an album. If you don't A, have recording skills or B, know somebody who has recording skills, right? Like if you don't have the means to do that, it can't happen. Um, And I just think it's kind of both humbling and amazing to look at how many different moving parts go into any artistic project. I keep bringing up my album. I know you recently completed one as well. And I'm in the finishing stages of mine. So that's a project that you can understand. There's so many more moving parts to it, right? There's the playing. Yes, that needs to be great. The recording needs to be great. The packaging needs to be great. The marketing needs to be great. Oh, and hey, there's this legal component nobody tells you about, right? No
0: Life one said anything. We no, said anything. no one tells you any of that. And you're Love like, it. again, Julia, preaching to the choir. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's
1: like, so for your album, Christine, I really think you're a superwoman, but there's no way you did all of that yourself, right? You found people to help you and to work with you in those areas. That's what's beautiful about art to me. Any art project, yeah, we credit the artist. I mean, if you go to a museum and you see a painting, there's one person's name below it on the placard. But that one person isn't the only reason that painting's up in the museum. It's been a whole like galaxy of people helping that person, working with that person. And I don't know, for me, the, one of my mentors always reminded me to check in on the why of my art. And I'm really grateful he would ask those questions. My why is always, I think art brings truth to light in humanity. And I think art brings people together. And that's both through the discussion of it and the experience of it and through the process of creating it. So I don't know. That's what's amazing to me.
0: No. And, and that's the thing, you know, when we, when we look at how much the world has changed, sometimes with TMAP, our job is to make sure to keep up with how the world is changing. It's not even just through the different technologies, different platforms, social media marketing and things like that, but also too in regards to the development of culture, how culture is changing and how as a result of those changes, affect our art type of thing. And so that's one of the things that, you know, we do at TMAP is making sure that we're aware of those things and being able to find like with what you've mentioned, always checking in with the why. And I feel like we could do more of that and encourage people more because I feel like that why provides that focus in regards to why they do it.
1: Well, and another thing that I think TMAP is... A, r- a really amazing part of TMAP's purpose is you guys help tell people about art that's going on, right? That's part of the Modern art- Artist Project. It's, I'm going to call it, I'm going to say promotion, but it's more than that. It's just telling people what somebody is doing, finding a way to get that word out there and to package it in a way that's really clear and really communicates that why in a way that can be seen and understood, by potential audiences. And I mean, like, here's the thing. I found I, this hit me really hard pre-vaccine days in the early days of COVID. I love performing. And when the audience got taken away, music was not fun for me anymore. Like it's, it's, you know, if a clarinetist plays a C above the staff perfectly in tune, but nobody hears it, did it matter? I don't know. So what t, like T Maps project and what you guys are so great at doing is reaching audience members and creating that audience and making sure that C above the staff that's perfectly in tune is heard or that amazing album gets heard, like seen and distributed and purchased by everybody like it's we need more of that honestly and we need we need people running marketing packaging communicating campaigns who speak artist right like team Map is a different organization than someone who like was marketing something for the fashion industry or some like an organization that's marketing something for software. Like it's a different audience and it's a different language. So thank you.
0: Thank you. (laughs) No, I mean that, I mean, that's, I mean, that's essentially with what we do and, you know, in regards to also bringing awareness about this idea of the digital age that we live in. So like, for example, you mentioned earlier that you have you know, a lot of students and you work with a lot of different people. And one of the things that I really love is that it's not just with the students that you work with at the universities and colleges that you teach, but also to being able to contribute to the community in a meaningful way. And I think that's something that really says a lot. And it it really resonates with me, at least, because I, I feel like You know, if we want to be able to continue art, we also have to be giving back to our communities.
1: And the thing is, when you invest in your community, your community invests back in you. Working with Rosie's House, I mean, I teach kids. It's a community center that provides music classes. I teach kids who music is like their reason for getting out of bed Saturday morning sometimes. Those kids are all on my YouTube channel. They're all like, tell me when your album drops, Julia. I want like they're so they're like my biggest cheerleaders and they're my students. The work I do at Phoenix College. I mean, I'm a staff member there. I'm not a faculty. And while I do stuff for the music department, I'm also kept quite busy with the theater department and the art gallery. But like the ceramics teacher who runs the art gallery wants to come into my next show. Uh, my boss in the theater department is always asking me when I'm playing. She wants to come out and see it. She wants to tell her friends about it. Like when you invest in a community and you use your skills to help people or you use your skills to bring art to people that wouldn't have it otherwise, it doesn't go unnoticed and people remember you. And I don't know. I think I live, I Christine, you can probably relate to this, but I live pretty far away from the place that I grew up in and being able to have Something like a family that's the artistic scene in my area has been really powerful and life changing. And that doesn't happen if you don't invest in a community. Like you've got to, you've got to put down roots a little bit and put art in spaces where it wasn't there. And I, I don't know. That's something some of my colleagues don't really feel as strongly as I do about here in the Phoenix area, but it's, it's never, I've never invested in my community, my immediate community in Phoenix or my digital community that I have connections through things like new works project or connections i've met at different conferences like i've never invested in a community associated with my art and not gotten something back from it Uh, it's a very much i'll scratch everyone's back they will all come around and scratch mine situation (laughs) (laughs) and then you've got a massage train going and everyone feels great right that's how
0: (laughs) (laughs) you go a little bit to the left there (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, you know, this is uh, this is really great. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that goes into, you know, why I really love working with you, Julia, is that that level of awareness, that level of, you know, compassion and empathy, you know, being able to reach out to people that otherwise wouldn't. and, And I feel like that's what we should be doing as artists, because a lot of time I feel like sometimes we get trapped in our own bubble, in regards to okay, I must do this, do this, do this, and then there's some days where we can't do it, right, right. that we have to you know something's ha has to change, and I think you know with what you've mentioned, I think this is this is really valuable so do you think when you think about the young artists um young professionals i mean we're we're young right Julie I mean we're yeah. still young. no
1: we're so young yeah. <laughs> yeah we're still young, but one gray hair a couple of weeks ago and freaked out about it and my community that i've invested in um came forth and said no you're still young you're fine
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, you know but i mean when we when we talk about other young people young professionals right that that come after us that that want you know that that job that career you know being able to do art and do art without limitations right Because a lot of the time when we have limitations, it's usually financial. It's either that or, you know, there's some difficulties with, you know, attaining spaces, you know, uh, being able to know people and things like that. Right. What what would you suggest to those people in regards to, you know, pursuing that career?
1: So once again, I would remind them that to make art, you need time, you need energy and you need money. So if you're in a spot where you're not able to complete a project or if you're in a spot where I was in about a year ago where you're not able to think of what project comes next, I would address those three things and do some rebalancing, some I call it finding and replacing of things in your life to make sure the whatever's lacking in those three things is getting met and is coming through more. So like if if money is a barrier on completing a project, find a grant. Get another job, even if it's temporary, so you can have some more of those funds to do that. See if there's some more gig work you can get. I'm kind of the go-to pet sitter, babysitter, plant waterer for people I'm close to. And it used to really annoy me. And then I realized that people are asking me to take care of things that are precious to them. And that's beautiful. But like that work exists. Everybody needs help. So if it's money, find a way to meet that need. If it's energy, this is what I was running into a year ago. Find and replace whatever's draining in your life with something else that can meet the need of money or meet the need of time, but also free up some more energy for you. My job at Phoenix College is a great answer to that because I'm kept very busy, it's 40 hours a week, but because I'm fed from it, I come home and I've got enough energy to pack up my stuff, drive to Scottsdale Community College and go teach. I've got enough energy to grade papers for my music history class at Paradise Valley Community College. And when that grading's done, I've still left with enough energy to think about what I want to do for myself as an artist. So addressing that energy component is really important. Addressing the time component, I mean, there are 24 hours in a day and we all have to work. So the time component of that kind of triangle. I'm describing here. A lot of that comes down to time management, right? Like, like, how are are you spending your free time? Is it actually that you have no time to practice or no time to research mechanical licensing fees for your album? Or is it that you spent the time on TikTok? Like, I mean, I love TikTok. I'll be honest. I'm like, I had to get it for... I got it to connect with my students more and for recruiting purposes, but now I'm like on it scrolling all the time and I'm realizing it's a time eater. Like you have the ability to reclaim your time within those 24 hours in a day. So don't forget that. That would be my biggest piece of advice for younger, younger artists who are feeling stuck in their careers. Another piece of advice I would give is be more open-minded. So I hold a doctorate in clarinet performance and I got that degree because my dream, my dream since I was 18 years old, has been to be a professor of clarinet at a major university. That is a highly competitive field. There are not a lot of jobs open for it. And since I've graduated, I've gotten one interview for jobs like that. And that's considered successful. Like that's considered she's doing well. Okay. I still want that. I'm probably never going to not want that. But in the meantime, I've started asking myself questions. What is it about that that I want? Is it being in a higher education environment? Okay. There are other ways to check that box. Is it teaching? There are other ways to check that box that I'm able to do now. And is it, you know, is it because you have space to do recitals? Okay. How can I, how can I meet that need? How can I get that want? with what I have now. And I think my jobs are weird. And it's not anything I thought I would be doing when I was an undergrad clarinet performance major. But I'm really happy making art happen in the community colleges out here in Maricopa County. I think we serve a student population that's kind of inspiring to me. And I love that part of our mission is to make higher learning and artistic practice more accessible to people? Because the thing is, anybody can be an artist as long as they have those three things I've described, right? So we need to make those three things more available to people so we can get more people making art. And my idea of Nirvana is just a place where everyone's an artist and like lit up about it. So I'm all about making those things more accessible to people. So to summarize my advice, make sure you have time, energy, and money to devote to your projects. And all of those are big. And then If your narrow version of success is not working out, take that narrow version and open it up a little bit because I mean, we're creative people as artists, so we'll find creative solutions and through widening that net and looking around a little bit, you can get fulfillment that you need that is what you want and makes you happy without it necessarily being that exact career goal. That you had when you were eighteen, and maybe you do land that right away. And if you do, like, congratulations! I'm not going to shame or fault anyone for that. That's fantastic. But many of us don't. And I think through the looking around, you can find out a lot about yourself and your art. And and also, it's okay to look around. It doesn't mean you're selling out. It doesn't mean you're not a good musician or instrumentalist. Or it doesn't mean you're less creative. It's just you acknowledging that you also live in the real world and doing something with it. So, um, yeah. And then finally, I want younger artists to enjoy the journey. I hate when people tell me that. And when I was younger, I hated when people told me that, especially a year ago, I felt so, so stuck career wise. And everyone was like, it's okay. Trust the process. Enjoy the journey. You'll figure it out. It'll get better. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buzzfeed buzzwords. I don't like this. I want to I want the thing. But, you know, life is short. We only have 40,000 weeks in our lives on average. So while it's hard and while being an artist is sometimes the most frustrating thing and you're like, oh my God, I was smart enough to do anything else. Why did I go to school for music? You got into it for a reason and this is what it is.
0: So look around and find ways to enjoy the journey. Oh, this is, this is really great. And I think, you know, we, you've hit on a lot of points that are very useful. And I think, very helpful too, uh, in regards to, you know, even reminding myself, you know, the times that, okay, I may not be like, you know, happy all the time, or I might encounter different frustrations to kind of Zen, right. And to really think, am I doing this like in the way that is productive for me? And I think, you know, in that, in that sense, it, it does create that balance. I think no in a, in a way yeah. it does create that balance. Oh, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, this is really great. I know new works project has some exciting events coming up. Would you we do? Yeah. Let me pull up our website to make sure I say the
1: right dates for that. So... For those who are not familiar with New Works Project, we exist as kind of a consortium manager. We seek out and solicit composers for both clarinet and percussion instruments who are underrepresented in some way. So that just means not cisgendered white men over 40 with doctorate degrees. So, you know, a lot of people fall under that underrepresented umbrella when we define it that way. And right now we have two, we have two series going on. We have our main work series, or our core series, and then our mini work series. So for our core series, we've got uh, two commissions open right now so these commissions are open you can go to our website newworksproject.org click on get involved and you can sign up for these commissions today so we have one com- one core commission for clarinet open right now this will be a new solo piece by Brittany Green and Brittany Green I'll read a little bit of her bio real quick here described as cinematic in the best sense Brittany's music works to facilitate intimate musical spaces that ignite visceral responses. The intersections between sound, video, movement, and text serve as the focal point of these music spaces. So I haven't seen this piece yet, but it sounds like there's multimedia elements in it, which is really exciting in our digital, digital age and can be a really good point of interest for bringing new audiences in. So that's Brittany Green's commission. That commission will be completed on January 15th. So if you've got spring recitals planned or would like to have spring recitals planned, as a clarinetist, you can hop over to our website and join that commission today. On the percussion side of things, we've got Emma O'Halloran writing for us. Her piece will also be finished on January 15th. Emma is an Irish composer who freely intertwines acoustic and electronic music. And Emma is writing for Percussion Duo currently. So two multimedia things involving technology open and available to you. New Works Project is dedicated to eliminating or at least minimizing financial barriers involved with new music. So while these two pieces, you might be listening to this and let's say you just graduated with a master's degree and you're like, okay, cool. I moved home because I don't understand anything and I don't have access to a timpani or a bass clarinet anymore. Here's the thing. All of our clarinet commissions are like able to be played effectively on any clarinet that you own. So they can be played just as well on E flat clarinet as your basic B flat clarinet or I should say B flat soprano clarinet because it's not basic. It's a very complicated instrument actually. But... (laughs) you can play you can play any of our clarinet works on any clarinet you have access to and all of our percussion works we ask composers to write specifically for either found object percussion or percussion instruments that one can expect someone to own so it's not going to be for full timpani set or for the nine octave marimba at your conservatory i'm clearly a clarinetist not a percussionist by the way but like it's meant to be accessible in that way there are different tiers you can join but honestly if you just Throw 20 bucks at this consortium project and play the piece once. You can have a brand new piece of music. You can be part of a performance that's possibly a regional performance in your area. And under a period of exclusivity, these are all words that sound great and exciting and are usually about... Three to $5,000 to obtain the opportunity to do. So what's cool about New Works Project, because we work with a consortium model. So a bunch of folks are throwing in $20 at these projects. We pay our composers what their work is worth. And because so many people have paid into it and are performing these pieces, we get them so many more performances than would likely be possible from one person commissioning these composers. So... It's something really exciting. Again, both of those commissions in the core series will be completed by January 15th. So if you're sitting around planning out rep for the spring or planning out rep for the summer, I know summer is conference season in the world of art music, please think about New Works Project to keep us in mind. Again, that website is newworksproject.org and you can join our consortiums under the Get Involved
0: tab. Wow. Thank you so much, Julia. And for joining us today, and for sharing your experiences and thoughts with us. We look forward to seeing the amazing things that you continue to do for our community.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Christine. It's, it's really an honor to be here chatting with you. Thanks so much.